Welcome everyone to tonight's session. This is our second of the fall 22 uh, field guide series for aspiring chaplains. We're going to talk tonight about online CPE. My name is Michael Skeggs. I'm director of programs for the Chaplaincy Innovation Lab, and I'm very happy to welcome you here to our event tonight. Let me say a few brief words on behalf of the lab before we start, and then we'll get to the meat of the discussion. So first of all, like most of our events, this is being recorded. And so if you miss a point, don't worry about taking notes. You know, if, if you want to come back uh, to a point or if you need to leave early, whatever, that's no big deal. You'll get a link to this recording here in the next couple of days. So you can go back and watch it uh, whenever you want. And I do want to note, because the field guide sessions are set up as meetings and not webinars, if you choose to, to talk, you will be visible or your voice will be recorded, depending on how you have your Zoom set up. So just be mindful of that. Um, if you'd rather not be seen or heard, just put your, your comment in the chat and I can surface that later. Mm -hmm. When you get the email with the recording, there's a very brief survey in there. I know, I know everyone is just like inundated with surveys and I get it, but if you have 30 seconds, please fill it out. It helps us plan events. It lets us know what you thought about this. I mean, this event right here tonight is because we kept getting questions. How do I do online CPE? And so the surveys help because that lets us know what is interesting to you and how we can be of service to that. And then I want to make one. He likes to be independent and... There we go. Thank you. I want to make just one brief procedural note. Uh, I'm going to wrap up tonight's public session a little bit early because one of our presenters uh, is not able to join us. Tamara Laybach was uh, called away to an advocacy event. That's what she does. Uh, so it's very appropriate, but she will not be joining us. So at 8.50 instead of 9 o'clock, I'll close down the public session and then we'll break out into, into uh, small groups. If you'd like to talk with either Danielle or Angela, we'll have that until 9.20 and then I shut it all down. And everybody can go about the rest of their evening. Okay, all those preliminaries out of the way, I'm gonna introduce our guests and turn it over to them. Danielle Buhuro is Director of Movement Chaplaincy for Faith Matters Network. She's also at the Sankofa CPE Center. Faith Matters has been a great uh, colleague and collaborator with the lab for a long time. And so we're very glad to have her here. And then we are also joined by Angela Epstein, who is Executive Director of Facing Cancer Together. So a really unique way of doing chaplaincy, crossing lots of lines there with healthcare and hospice and community and everything. Uh, so welcome to both of you. Danielle, I'm gonna to turn to you first to tell us about Sankofa Online CPE and, and how this uh, method of delivery is working. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Michael, for first and foremost uh, facilitating this event, creating this event. Uh, what a timely, timely, timely discussion uh, for us. Uh, online CPE is nothing short of amazing. Mm -hmm. When COVID-19, unfortunately, uh, was um, unfortunately birthed uh, in, in our world, literally the face of chaplaincy and the face of clinical pastoral education, I believe was turned upside down. What do I mean by that? As a result of COVID-19, unfortunately, many uh, spaces and places like healthcare institutions could no longer host uh, CPE. I had been working for about 10 years for a healthcare institution in Chicago, who immediately as a result of the inception of COVID-19 had to shut down all CPE programming until we could figure out how to offer CPE in ways that don't compromise the health of CPE students. And so I was, uh, during this time, I was uh, receiving phone calls and emails from denomination officials and seminary partners saying, okay, what is my seminary student or person seeking ordination going to do now if there is no physical space for them to come to, to uh, complete their CPE uh, requirement? And so it was at that moment and through uh, constant prayer with the divine uh, that I began to lift up uh, uh, a wonderful quote that I heard uh, Dr. Lee Butler, who is a dean and professor of pastoral care at Phillips 
Theological Seminary highlights, this quote that he highlights states, crisis breeds creativity. Crisis breeds creativity. And I began to say, wow, now more than ever, in the midst of COVID-19 and this, and this crisis uh, of this COVID-19 health pandemic, we need to be creative around CPE. And so I went through the accreditation process with ACPE, uh, the standard for spiritual care and education. And I uh, was successful in beginning my own ACPE accredited uh, CPE center that primarily and only offers online CPE. What does this mean? This means that students attend all CPE group sessions via Zoom for about three hours a week for a program that's anywhere from 20 weeks to 24 weeks. And at the same time, I also began to love this idea that COVID-19 wasn't the only pandemic we were living in, in 2019 and into 2020. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of George Floyd who was killed by police. And 2020 found us at the height of also wrestling with the pandemic of police brutality and social injustice, racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism. And so I also started to get students, uh, I also started to, to have students reach out to me and say, hey, I wanna do my CPE, but in, this, uh, in light of this pandemic of social inequality, racial inequality and social unrest, I would like to do my CPE, not in a healthcare institution, before social justice organization or a social service institution. And so my center also specializes in um, providing a space for folks to do their CPE at uh, social justice-based institutions, social service organizations, uh, because there is now what we're also seeing is a shift in chaplaincy. Gone are the days where the model for chaplaincy is just focusing on religion, theology, or spirituality. We're seeing in light of police brutality, we're seeing this emphasis of how do we merge social justice with spiritual care? How do we now expand definitions of spiritual care and chaplaincy to also incorporate not just spirit, conversations, but body and mind conversations, not just thinking about chaplaincy as it relates to ministering to one's spiritual needs, faith or theological concerns, but also ministering to people's physical needs or social needs or needs impacting their body, ministering to people's emotional needs, ministering to people's existential needs, those, those issues that are impacting people's psychology. And so in some sense, I'm excited about online CPE because not only does it provide an opportunity uh, to expand diverse settings, environments, and atmospheres where persons can uh, take their CPE units, but it also creates uh, new ways in which we're really called to reimagine where exactly a chaplain can serve not just in a healthcare institution, but in some awesome and amazing spaces like the airport as aviation chaplains or social justice chaplains like for Faith Matters Network or various other spaces like environmental chaplaincy or prison chaplaincy, right? And so I, I just, I think that now more than ever is an amazing time to do online CPE, not just for the CPE component, but for the ways in which it is uh, pushing us, challenging us, confronting us to, in some sense, re-examine where does chaplaincy actually take place? And how do we understand the public sphere as this wonderful new contemporary prophetic space where chaplaincy is called to, to, to be uh, in, in some sense? I'll, I'll pause right there. 
thank you very much, Danielle. There's so many questions that I have to follow up from that, and I'm sure uh, the, the community does tonight as well. But let's turn to Angela. We're going to hear about her, you know, sort of journey to CPE. That sounds awfully trite, but uh, <laughs> but let's let's hear from your perspective. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Michael, and thank you, Danielle, for Danielle for um, your description of your work and what you're doing is just it's beautiful. So thank you for that. Um, so I, I, I started on my path actually long before I even knew what CPE was. And so I, I've been in a number of leadership roles. And in, in retrospect, I believe that a lot of what I was doing was spiritual care, but I didn't call it that. And I probably didn't know it at the time. Um, when the pandemic started, a friend of mine who is a Buddhist chaplain said to me, uh, the New York Zen Center is actually offering an online contemplative care program. Normally you'd have to go to New York City and go to class and work in one of the facilities in New York City as your placement. And so when I heard it was online, I thought, well, that, that's fantastic, you know? Um, so I signed up and I did my, uh, you know, all the classes and the meetings were online and my community assignments were basically people who were just isolated in the community because we were in lockdown at that point. So I was checking in on them. During that time, I really came to realize what CPE could look like. And I realized that that was my path, that I, that chaplaincy is my path and that this model of being able to work and study CPE were compatible. Because um, I, I, in the past, felt I wasn't someone who could just quit my job and go do a fellowship at a hospital or go do you know, a residency, a 12-week residency. So for me, this was this tremendous gift. So I applied for my first CPE unit at UC San Diego, and it was fantastic. It was a, a very diverse group of folks from across the country. And I felt really blessed to have met them all and learned so much in just that one unit. Um, I then went on to take a second unit, which is wrapping up in a few weeks at the Gens, at the Jed Center. And while, I, while I've been involved in that, I realized that not only do I want to continue CPE online, I want to also continue CPE educator training so that eventually someday I could be like you, Danielle, <laughs> and have my own CPE center. So you're sort of at the other end of the spectrum here. You, you're already there and I'm, I'm at the beginning. That's my vision is to, is to have my own uh, CPE program that I could contribute um, to the learning uh, for folks who who really are inspired by this path. And I completely agree with you, Danielle. It looks so different now than it did. It looks so different now than it did. Would you mind muting, please? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Angela. I, uh, <laughs> that's okay. I, I think I've um, muted. I think I've yeah, muted the microphone. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, sorry, it's been a long day, so I just lost my train of thought. But oh, I, I was just agreeing with what Danielle was saying that the even in the last five to six years, I feel like chaplaincy has started to open up. And the pandemic really forced the issue because, because of the suffering, because of the isolation there were these pockets where maybe before chaplains weren't present, but they needed to be because suffering had increased by, I, I don't even know how much, but some incredibly troubling number. And also to your point about the summer of 2020 really being the epicenter of an awareness around George Floyd and all that sort of cascade after that. Um, the other piece I'll say is that some people feel the pandemic's over and it, it really isn't. And I think the grief that sort of 
envelops our world right now manifests in so many ways. And at times we can't even recognize it as grief. And so this is part of what chaplaincy I think can do is help us understand that as a, as a planet, as a people, we have this profound level of grief that we're living with. So I, I will stop there. Um, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to describe my path. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, you know, as you alluded to, the sort of two different, I don't know if I'd say ends of the spectrum, but different places on the spectrum. And so I really appreciate both of you being here. Um, Danielle, I'm wondering if you could walk us through, literally, let's say I decide I'm ready to do CPE. Full disclosure, I'm not a chaplain, so I can I can talk about this, but you know, I I, <laughs> I don't bring the I don't bring the baggage. Let's say I decide I want to do CPE and I want to do it with Danielle Center. So literally, from the moment I decide to do that to the day I start my first session with you, what does that process look like? Thank you so much. That's a great question. This uh this process looks like a number of steps, and I'm gonna go step by step. So first and foremost. You would go to my website. Uh, you see it here on my Zoom background, www.sankofacpe.com. That's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-C-P-E.com. Then peruse my website, learn more about my specific, uh, my specific program and the intricacies of my particular center. Uh, my particular center is focused on uh, African-centered uh, curriculum. It's also uh, focused on LGBTQIA inclusivity, and it's also focused on social justice uh, spiritual care in non-traditional or non-hospital settings. And on my web page, uh, on my website, uh, there's a particular page that says register. And folks just click on that page, put their email address, name, and telephone number on that page, and then it immediately sends an alert to my digital secretary, who then sends an email stating program dates and next steps for applying. And so uh, I do two programs uh, a year, uh, or two cycles of programs a year. I do about 10 programs per cycle. Uh, so I do two cycles and 10 CP programs per cycle. So I do about 20 CPE programs a year. And what happens is next steps are people go to the ACPE website. That's uh, www.acpe.edu. And they retrieve a CPE application from that website. They complete that application. And then they email that application uh, to me. Next steps are uh, once I receive that application, I review that application and then grant the person an interview. But once the person receives the interview, uh, if, I, uh, if I believe they're a good fit for our particular program, then I then give them acceptance into the program. Next steps from that point are, persons have to find a place to work. Usually, most people who reach out to me already have a, a, a space where they are doing ministry. Uh, they're either working for their, uh, their parish, their mosque, their temple, their religious uh, synagogue, or they're already working for a social service organization, or they're already working providing uh, ministry in some type of organization. And a cool component about my program, is my program is helpful for the working adult that's primarily already working in ministry at a site, I give them the opportunity to use their current ministry space as their CPE site. Or let's say someone says, hey, I've always wanted to work in environmental justice. Once I accept them into the program, their next steps are to look for a place where they can work. So they might seek out, for example, an environmental justice uh, organization or center. They reach out to uh, whoever is the executive director, manager, uh, official at that space, 
and they ask, hey, can I use your site as my CPE center? Uh, I've been accepted to a CPE center and I need a place to work. My particular program, as does many other CPE programs in, in uh, ACPE, requires that persons work anywhere from 15 to 20 hours per week. So next steps is after that person secures the site, they have to reflect on, is this a good time in my life where I can now work for 15 to 20 hours uh, a week, right? Because CPE is not the, the, the sort of educational learning environment where you can have too much going on uh, in your life. You really have to have the time, energy, emotional investment to dedicate to one, physically working at a space for 15 to 20 hours a week. And then the next component is you have to attend a CPE group session that's three hours a week via Zoom. So the next component is everyone who I accept in the CPE group for that particular unit, we then all meet together, have an initial meeting, and we think about, okay, given all of our personal and professional schedules, what three-hour block of time can we carve out where we can, we can meet? Now, the cool thing about online CPE, different from a space that, is, that, that asks you to come to a physical location for group, we can meet anytime. So I have some CPE groups that are meeting on Monday mornings from 9 to 12, or I have some CPE groups that are meeting Saturday mornings. I have some CPE groups that are meeting Sunday afternoons. I have some CPE groups that are meeting Friday nights, right? The cool thing about online CPE is it provides that flexibility for the CPE group session to literally happen anytime. And after we carve out a time when we can meet uh, for our group session, then we, we go forth and uh, the program starts. All of my programs are about 24 weeks uh, in total and students do their 15 to 20 hours a week and their three hour group sessions. And, they can also have one hour a week of individual supervision with the supervisor. And afterwards, they, they, graduate, uh, they graduate from the program. So that's the step-by-step -step, uh, components uh, for it. That's really great, thank you. Um, thank you. It's, it's important to note, I think, that all of these, there is a clear way of progressing through all these programs but the assumptions, the vocabulary, the language, it can all be a little jarring, especially if you're coming to this and you haven't done you know, an MDiv or something that's very traditional. So I just want to point out there are a number of resources out there. I mean, first of all, someone like Danielle and her center, that's a great resource. ACPE is a great resource. Uh, the lab, we have an ebook called Introduction to Clinical Pastoral Education, and it gives you a good idea of kind of the theoretical background of where CPE came from and why it's important to chaplains. Um, and then also our colleague, uh, David Fleener recently, I don't know if it was recently, anyway, he has, a, he has an article on his website. It's basically, here's how you fill out a CPE application. Because for a lot of folks, this is a new genre of, you know, it's not a job application. You got to dig deep just to fill this application out, <laughs> uh, much less the process that you're going to go through in CPE. So, um, Everyone who is who is a supervisor, a certified educator, whatever, everyone knows that this is a complicated thing to go through. Um, and so, you know, if, if you have nitty gritty questions or you think, you know, something doesn't make sense here, I'm not seeing how one connects to the other. You should never be afraid to ask, because I think um, anyone who works in the world of chaplaincy knows it's pretty complicated. And especially to folks that have no kind of prior exposure to it, it can be really really sort of disorienting uh, in a way that uh, is not not necessarily uh, fruitful as well. I want to return to uh, a comment that Angela made, and you said, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do CPE, but I was at a place where I didn't feel that I could quit my job and just, you know, dive into CPE. And the, the way you phrase that is so interesting. Because you said, I didn't feel like I could quit my job, as though you could feel another way. 
<laughs> most people, most of us, we got to work. That's right. Right. We have to work. If we would like to continue to have shelter and things like food, uh, we have to work. So it's not even so much a feeling as a yeah, fact. That's, that's <laughs> but the, yes. the, my roundabout way of getting at this is that I think some people come and they consider CPE, they consider chaplaincy, and they put it up against their lives and they say, well, you know, I can't quit my job right now. I have these other obligations. I can't do this. I can't do that. And they think, so I guess I'm not called to be a chaplain because the logistics of my life do not, you know, they don't lend themselves well to that kind of work. The important thing about online CPE is that that doesn't have to be true. Um, even if you are in a state of life, a, a place, a season, whatever, where you can't just quit, um, that's okay. There are now programs that are coming, uh, that are becoming available that will let you that will let you actually do that. And so, I think it's so important to acknowledge that perceiving the fact that you can't stop your life completely for CPE does not mean you're not cut out to be a chaplain. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a chaplain. It just means that the traditional model is not going to work for you right now. And that's okay. So pursue things like online CPE. That's, that's completely, that's completely fine as well. Um, I want to make one more comment and then we'll open it up to, um, to, to Q and A from everybody else. But um, Danielle, you mentioned that, you know, the folks that come through your program, they're doing social justice work, whether it is in, you know, organizations that are dedicated to social justice by mission, or maybe they're doing social justice work in other places. And I think that is a really important thing for folks considering chaplaincy to note. Let's say that you do want to take a commitment to social justice and kind of parlay that into chaplaincy. But, you know, you think, well, there's no there's no nonprofit near me that's doing this work. So how am I supposed to how am I supposed to do that? You can actually incorporate these principles in a lot of places. Uh, you know, you mentioned higher education, great place for that. Um, airports, you might not think of that as a site of social justice, but it certainly can be. Um, a lot of interesting conversations are happening there. Um, I got my start in the world of chaplaincy working with with men and uh, men and women that were working in, in seaports. These are almost totally unknown chaplains working with totally unknown people. Why is that a social justice issue? Because international seafarers are protected by the very thinnest of labor laws on the planet. These folks are exploited and they're exploited so we could do things like have cheap shoes. Uh, and so in an environment like that, you can take social justice principles and put them to work, even though the setting itself might not literally have the phrase social justice in it. You don't have to be out on a picket line or doing chaplaincy for you know uh, an organized event, you can put those principles into practice all over the place, and it happens every day. Even if some chaplains don't know they're doing it, they really are doing it. Um, so I'm going to get off my soapbox now because I, I get kind of fired up about that. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of questions here, so let me open up the floor to your questions. Uh, we'll do kind of a a public Q and A here, so this is still recorded. Just bear that in mind. Uh, and then when we get to the end of that, I turn the recording off we can go into uh, breakout rooms and you can ask really whatever you want there. Um, so let me open it up to everyone else. If you are muted and you can't unmute, Zoom is a little wonky, just send me a message in the chat and I'll uh, you know, unmute you. Uh, Michael, this is Valeria. Hi, welcome, Valeria. Hi, let me just turn my camera on. Um, sure. Could you give a little clarification about what questions uh, are appropriate to ask now and what we're supposed to say for later? Anything you want recorded <laughs> is now. <laughs> and if you'd rather it not be recorded, save for later. It doesn't matter. All right, have at it. Um. Dr. Bohuro, uh, my question is for you, because <laughs> um, I'm very interested, I would be very interested in doing CPE in a social justice organization, but I'm in Massachusetts, far away from where you are. So the question is, do you have any, is there any way that you can help locate work sites or is that all 
Anna, do you have any connections in that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So, yes. And so first and foremost, the question that I well, thank first of all, thank you so much for being here, Dr. Schmidt. Uh, the question that I often first and foremost pose to people is number one, what is your passion in ministry? First, answer that question. So there are some people who have a passion for working with, for example, homeless populations. So they desire to work with at homeless shelters or food pantries or soup kitchens that provide food for a homeless population. There are some people who have desires to work in domestic violence advocacy. So they want to work in a domestic violence shelter. There are some people who have desires to work in youth ministry where they want to work with at-risk youth and young adults. I say, first and foremost, think about what is your passion in ministry. Womanist theologian uh, Katie Cannon invited us to reflect on, we must answer the call to do the work our soul must have. And so first and foremost, before you think about where can I work in CPE? At what site can I go to? I'm gonna first ask you to think about what's the work your soul yearns for? What's the work your soul must have? Then when you answer that question, it's as simple as wherever you live, going to whatever is a space like that in your city, your state, calling that space, asking to speak with someone at that site and saying, hey, I want to intern at your location, providing pastoral presence or spiritual care presence to your clients. That's the question. And so in some sense, uh, people who come to my CP center are creating the work their soul must have. They're creating, given their own passions, the particular ministry setting they want to be in. So I'm going to just throw out a myriad of examples. I've got some CPE students who are passionate around food insecurity. So they went and approached local food banks and soup kitchens, homeless shelters. I've got some folks who are passionate around domestic violence advocacy. They went and just approached the domestic violence shelter. I've got some folks who are passionate about youth and young adults who are at risk. They went and approached a couple of youth shelters. I've got some folks who are very, very, very creative, very, very, very creative. They believed that there's a lot of injustice in factories. So there was uh, one particular student I had who approached Tyson Chicken Foods, who if you Google them right now, they've got tons of chaplain jobs. Did you know Tyson's Foods hires chaplains now to work in their factories, right? And so I've got a couple of CPE students who work during their CPE in a couple of Tyson fact, uh, food factories in Indiana. I had another student say to me one day, you know what's the most demoralizing event for many people? It's when they have to take their car in to the dealership for repairs and someone at the dealership says, I'm so sorry, your car has died. And the student said, have you ever thought about the grief of when your car that you've had in your family for years dies? And literally this student called a car dealership and, and spoke to the manager of the dealership and said, I wanna provide a spiritual care presence in your uh, auto mechanic department where, and, and, and the dealership loved it. And so literally this student sits at a dealership providing spiritual care when mechanics have to go to people and say, I'm so sorry, this car is no longer gonna work anymore. I have another group of students in Minneapolis, Minnesota, who reached out to the domestic violence court system and said, we wanna sit in the DV court and provide spiritual care to the victims of domestic violence who are coming in to advocate for their cases. I've got another student who believes the best spiritual care happens at a cemetery. She reached out to a cemetery and said, hey, can I sit and provide spiritual care at the grave sites to people who come in to this, your, your particular graveyard throughout the day and in the evening hours? 
And so this is also, I think, really pushing us, challenging us to really reflect on how do we be creative about the spaces and places where spiritual care is called to happen and could be happening in spaces that we never thought of before. I would have never thought you would have a chaplain at a Nissan dealership, but I'm a living witness that it is happening. Or I would have never thought that you could meet a chaplain at a cemetery, at a, but it is happening. And so I, I'm inviting people first and foremost to think about what gives you passion and how do you create that space for yourself and use that space as your, as your CPE site. Okay, that, that's awesome. Thank you. I want to do all of those things. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other question I have, you said your programs run 20 to 24 weeks. So that's like six months, right? So it's not a summer kind of situation. No, most of my programs are about five months long. Mainly around the 24 week mark. But there are various programs in ACPE. So I also need to give a nod to ACP. Technically, in ACPE, there's about 30 online accredited CPE centers that are specifically accredited in ACPE to be online programs. And so I would invite you to go to the ACPE website, www.acpe.edu, and you can click on a search engine that is provided for you. Uh, and simply say you're interested in online CPE and these 30, 40 centers uh, will, will pop up uh, for you. You know, it's, it's, it, it strikes me, Danielle, that what you've just described is that th to me, this is where, this is where the, the chaplaincy rubber meets the road because all the situations that you described, it's where people are in need. Now, we know people are in need in hospitals or prison or whatever. I mean, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say whatever, but those are places where it's obvious, right? People are sick. People are incarcerated justly or unjustly. They that That's, you know, we can point to that need there. But, you know, before just now, I never heard of the car dealership chaplain, but I'm thinking now if I take my minivan to the dealership and they say, well, sorry, it's dead. And, you know, we might give you a couple hundred bucks for parts. I'm going to, be, my head's going to be spinning. Like, what do I do now? I got to get around. I have to move from point A to point B. I got kids to drive around. This is a crisis. What do I do? Um, so all of these places that you just described and more, anywhere there are people in need and that you can basically get someone to let you be there, that's where you can do chaplaincy. It doesn't matter. That's it. That's it. I, I have a student who has a love for animals. And she contacted the local veterinarian uh, 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 health clinic uh, near her. And she talked to the uh, veterinarian and said, hey, can I come in and provide spiritual care to people who are experiencing grief around the death of their pets or grave illness of their pets? And the veterinarian said, yes, thank you. I was looking for somebody like you. So I think another conversation that, that this forces us to have is, this idea or notion that I think chaplaincy is pushing us to be more creative and to create the positions that we want because they may not be in existence, but a reoccurring theme that I'm always hearing from my students is when I reached out to that person at that institution, whatever that institution was, the person said, oh man, yes, I would love to have somebody like you come. And so I, I also think I'm, I'm, I'm really impressing upon us where our sense, to kick up our sense of creativity around our passions because there are people waiting for us to present ourselves to them <laughs> because the need is already there. They're just waiting for somebody to approach them and say, hey, I can fulfill that need for you. Now, all of this is great if you're actually in the CPE program, but uh, someone sent in a question that has to do with the requirements to get in. Now, the specific question was, do I have to have a master's degree or can I do it with a bachelor's degree? But I think I, I want to broaden out a little bit and just say, what does somebody have to bring with them to your center in particular, Danielle? And then we can kind of, we'll generalize that to other centers as well. But what does someone have to have to apply? 
Sankofa CPE, my center, is open to all. And so uh, you don't have to have any particular degree requirement uh, to be in my program. You don't have to be of a particular religious affiliation to be in my program. My only request is you have to be able to do reflection and you have to be open-minded to reflection. So Michael, you mentioned earlier, CPE is not just like an academic class. It's not an academic class like what you do in seminary. It's not a class that's gonna teach you pastoral care like what you do in seminary. The phrase that I like to use is, CPE is different from your intro to pastoral care class at your seminary, theological institution, or dip school. Because when you show up to your seminary, or when you show up to this school, you sit down in a chair and a professor stands at the front of the class or sit, stands on Zoom and says, okay, this is how you provide pastoral care to somebody. CPE is opposite. CPE says, what happened when you were five years old? How does what happened when you were seven years old unconsciously impact how you minister to someone. So there's a lot of internal reflection. 99.9% .9 of CPE is you looking at your life. That's why on the CPE application, the very first two questions are, describe a reasonably full account of your life and describe a reasonably full account of your religious and spiritual upbringing. Because now for that entire unit, somebody like me is gonna be asking you, let's talk about when you were 16 years old. Let's talk about if your parents are divorced, how does being uh, uh, the product of a, a divorced parents impact how you provide spiritual care to someone? Let's say your mom or your dad may have had an addiction to drugs or alcohol, or maybe you were homeless. Or maybe you grew up Baptist, Christian Baptist, or you grew up Muslim, or you grew up an atheist. CPE says all of those experiences are what really impact how you provide spiritual care to somebody. CPE says it doesn't matter how many times I sit Nick down and say, Nick, when you meet a person who unfortunately has cancer, this is how you provide care to them. CPE says it doesn't matter how often I do that. Nick won't learn no matter how often I do that. CPE says Nick will learn, however, if I say, hey, Nick, has somebody in your family ever experienced cancer? Did your mom, your dad, your grandparent, aunt, uncle ever experienced cancer? How does that impact you? How does that experience teach you now how to minister to somebody else? who now may have cancer, unfortunately. Did you catch the, the nuances? Uh, you catch the nuances there? And so we generally say for at Sankofa CPE, uh, there is no formal decree requirement as long as you're able to just do that open reflection that is, that is called for journeying into your past. If you're one who doesn't like to talk about your stuff, if you grew up in a household where mama and daddy said, you don't talk about your stuff, especially to folks you ain't never met, then CPE is not for you. But if you're one who doesn't mind in being vulnerable, being transparent, taking a, a hard look at early life experiences and thinking about how those experiences impact you, then Sankofa is open for you. There are some online CPE centers that require you be in graduate school, working on a master's degree because it's believed that oftentimes CPE is primarily for graduate, it's a graduate level education. There are other centers who believe you gotta actually be working on a graduate degree in religion, theology, pastoral care, spiritual care, uh, uh, something in the theological studies uh, arena. All of us have various different, uh, different requirements. Yeah, and it's, it's important to note that so, you know, in, in, the, in the centers that do have these varying requirements, in a lot of cases, they are well-meaning. 
Um, in a lot of cases, they are historical artifacts that have not gone away and they keep a lot of people out. So it's important to acknowledge that. Um, I also wanted to note that when you said we're going to have conversations like you're the product of a of divorced parents, how's that going to impact your ability to provide spiritual care? If you answer it's not, <laughs> your supervisor is going to say why again, uh, because the the whole point of this is uh, is really to dig very very deep so that when you get into those really really difficult fraught encounters, you don't get blindsided by you know, the time when you were eight and you saw your grandparent die and suddenly you fall apart and you can't help this person that's in front of you. CPE helps you train those muscles and be able to integrate those experiences and turn them, you know, turn them into something productive, uh, which is not to say paper them over uh, at all. Uh, a follow-up question is, all right, so we have CPE, various educational requirements to get there. If we want to go on and pursue a credential like board certification, how does something like online CPE factor into that, if at all? It's uh, It does factor into that because for board certification, board certification, uh, there are about four or five requirements. <laughs> and I'm going to give uh, the process for board certification in APC, the Association of Professional Chaplains specifically. APC says there are about four or five requirements. Number one, someone has to have a master's degree in theological studies. Oftentimes, it's the Master of Divinity uh, degree. Number two, someone has to be ordained or licensed in their religious tradition. Number three, someone has to have ecclesiastical endorsement to be chaplain in their religious tradition. And next, someone has to have worked as a chaplain for at least 2,000 hours after their CPE units to become eligible to apply for board certification. And then last but not least, someone has to have four units of CPE. And one of those units, it looks good if one of those units is level two. At least one of those units is level two. So online CPE provides a wonderful space and place for uh, people to get their units of CPE because in ACPE, an online CPE program accredited through ACPE is no different from an in-person CPE program. So it's not like online CPE is not gonna be counted when you go and apply for board certification. And the Association of Professional Chaplains, APC, the only thing that APC is concerned about here was that CPE unit accredited through ACPE. They don't mind if that CPE unit is a face-to-face in-person unit or if that CPE unit is an online unit. I also wanna highlight, this is a pivotal question, this is a pivotal time for online CPE because I think online CPE addresses disability injustice. Many people who attend online CPE are folks who are part, a part of our disabled community who may not be able to physically walk to a physical space and provide physical spiritual care. Online CPE, like my center, partners with a lot of telechaplaincy institutions. For example, the San Francisco Night Ministry provides a wonderful telephone hotline spiritual care service where all you have to do is make telephone calls and provide spiritual care over the telephone. That is great for disabled uh, communities who have physical ailments. Online CPE is also a wonderful resource for persons who are single parents and for whatever reason don't have adequate daycare. They can stay at home, manage children, and jump on a Zoom for groups. Online CPE is great for folks who are currently caring for aging parents who don't have an ability to leave an aging mom or dad or loved one at home so they can physically go to another location. And so it's, it's also uh, meets many needs of persons today who, for various sociological reasons, 
can't physically go to a space. The good news is board certification does not make any distinction between online CPE and uh, in-person CPE. Yeah, and this, this issue of access, I think online CPE speaks to so well because, you know, let's say I am a young person and I belong to a, a, a historic mainline denomination. I can find a seminary, I can get my MDiv, go through, no problem. I can find a CPE center at a hospital, go through that, no problem. Get my board certification and boom, you know, I'm a, I'm a shiny brand new chaplain uh, and I've got a huge community of chaplains in my denomination and isn't this all great? And that is good. I mean, for those people, that's great. But more and more people don't look like that. And online CPE is a wonderful way of addressing that because the fact that someone does not belong to a tradition that has a lowercase t tradition of chaplaincy should not preclude them from this work or the fact that they've just retired and now they want to make a switch that should not preclude them from this work. And so things like online CP are speaking directly to that. And I'm so, I'm so glad that, that this is an option. Uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour here. So I want to open up our breakout rooms. I'm going to stop the recording. As soon as I find the button, I'm going to stop the recording. I'm only on Zoom like eight hours. Can, you think I would know? Can that. I say? Can I say something before you stop yeah, the recording? Of course, of course, of course. One more point. I think online CPE is also uh, phenomenal for addressing what I call is Christian supremacy. What we're discovering is many spaces and places that offer in-person CPE are often Christian-based. And so I get phone calls and emails all the time from Muslim brothers and sisters, Jewish uh, brothers and sisters, atheists, humanists, uh, 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 persons saying, hey, I need to do CPE, but I'm Muslim. And I want my CPE site to be my mosque. And I got turned away from this in-person center I applied to because of some Christian supremacy that was going on where they didn't, they didn't want me because I was Muslim or because I wasn't Christian, they didn't think that I could minister to anybody in their space because they kept saying, oh, there are no Muslim folks that you would see here, right? It's, unfortunately, Christian supremacy is high in many of our in-person CPE sites. Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia is high and many of our in-person sites. And so I also believe online CPE provides a space for more diversity, equity, justice, and inclusion around religious, religious difference. So thank you for, for letting me also just thank name you. that. Okay.